0: Deekshock. Shock. Shock.
1: They only really lose to Chaos Marines, which is essentially is a space marine. Uh, I've seen some and tabletop
2: games where... Marines got
1: handed. Yeah, I know, but I'm not talking about tabletop, yeah. I'm talking about the books. Oh. Got and it's handled. like five guys or a squad of space marines go through like thousands of orcs, which well, that's in why lore, it, it works. Hey, financially,
2: but. that's why if you play Warhammer 40K, space marines are probably what you should play if you want to play frugally at all. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because you only need to get a couple squads exactly. in there.
2: Exactly. You only need a couple miniatures Compared to, like, orcs where you need a thousand. Oh, boy. But,
1: but back when we played some of the big models for Space Marines, and I was chaos, so all my uh, demons, or da- whatever, demons, Damon's <laughs> British people and their stupid
2: shit. Um, Matt Damon's absolutely. Always, uh, the the daemon, Matt, Matt Damon.
1: Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon, you roll a fifth, you, you know, and he possessed. Matt Damon <laughs> comes on the battlefield and... You're just like, God damn it, that Boston motherfucker. No. Um, <laughs> but, like, bloodthirsters, demon models were usually pewter, so it was like, ooh, if you had a couple of those, oh. it was like, this guy's got he's got a job, and it's not at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, That's ah! it's like, he's screw. a manager at a retail place.
2: Oh, or yeah. <laughs> That's the way I think of the bloodthirsters of corn. Yeah, don't hire Nurgle for your... Uh, for your just, fast food restaurant. You
1: know how you can name your army? Fuck, why did I think of that? Like three weeks pay. <laughs> <Like something>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's
0: Damn the truth. it.
1: Jesus.
3: Oh, that's a great idea.
2: Yeah, I just thought about that just now, right. 20 years later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's why I more philosophically play Warhammer 40K because I can't afford to actually play it.
1: I found my whole army in my garage the other day. Aha. Uh-huh. So your I'm whole
2: gonna... army of, of Chaos Marines?
1: Chaos and Tau.
2: Oh wow, Tau so as I have well. Tau, yeah,
1: dude, I'm Canadian, so I had to go for the greater good. Of course, social
2: uh, army. You know what? The Tau, I don't know much about them. What what's their thing? Gundams. Okay, I mean, uh, they look like Gundams, but yes. th- philosophy.
1: They're oh, uh, for the greater good. Um, they they try to attack the Imperium to bring them under the fold and everybody equal instead of following the Emperor or whatever the lords of terra are oh okay so they look at the imperium like good god you guys are suffering which in the yes. 41st man they Very are so. it's, you wouldn't yep. want to live then no
2: humanity is fucked in 40k yes
1: yes and uh they they work well with the eldar okay. they're the same kind of thing which are the 40k elves yes all
2: right yeah. welcome to gig shack number 426 i am master torgo 80s jeff commander k
1: Force Art Commander River? Matt, <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: and we're here to talk week and geek. Yeah, Andy's on set.
3: Yeah, that he, poor guy. That horror movie he was uh, so, talking about—he is so there now. He
2: claims him and his so war games. What is Cut. he? It was in some absinthe bar. Is that where yes, he actually probably. is? Millennium <laughs> fandom bar. Yeah, Let's call it up. Guy, Andy,
4: <laughs> don't answer
3: it. He'll come in late.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I just had some absinthe. It's not affecting me one bit. Like, you, you just had it. Uh, well, before I came home, I had a sazerac with dinner. So, oh, kind of absent absinthe. In it. What the hell it, is that? Yeah, a sazerac.
2: but but a sazerac that it's, has a, it's just a little bit of yeah. That, that's kind of yeah, like vermouth mostly, and a martini. Yeah, that's just
4: a touch. Yeah, it's mostly rye whiskey. Yeah, Ugh, rye. Oh. What's wrong really? with rye? You're Canadian. Oh. You're yeah, supposed I to like say, rye. Yeah, all Canadians are supposed <laughs> to like rye.
1: <laughs> this one does not. That's why I'm here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> remember he, again, you're he a sucks bad
3: Canadian. Yes, he really does suck at Canadian.
2: Yes. Ah, but ah, well, yeah, Sazerac, so tasty, very nice, if made well. All right, that uh-huh. makes sense. If it's done well, yeah, green light
1: it. But there's, <laughs> but yeah,
2: there is barely any absinthe in that. So yeah, there's not much. So, so that's, what you're
1: saying is, last week he was, it was all an act, which I agree with you, 80s. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I definitely think he was overplaying it,
4: just a little bit. He
2: was a little fried. There's no doubt about that.
4: I, I honestly, I think uh, based on what Kirsten has said about him in the past, I think the lack of sleep, the alcohol, and then just the, you know, the sheer lateness that we do the recording was like that perfect storm of things to make loopy Andy.
3: Well, that and he he, he does like to play it, but it's not yes. like, well, I've got an excuse to act that way. He's feeling loopy, so he loopies it up. Right. I get it. And absinthe, even though it does not have the hallucinogenic qualities that we talked about, not it anymore. is really
2: strong in alcohol. Yes, so it
3: will fuck you up. Do they have like a LSD laced absinthe you can take? Or, or? Uh, you, frankly, there's an LSD laced
2: anything you want in this world.
3: This is Vegas? Uh, we can find that for you. Okay, Just Let, make ne- it yourself. Next show. Come on, let's do it.
2: We'll give Andy LSD. That sounds <laughs> like a wonderful idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's. Mark that oh. episode.
3: Have you seen those things where they like give artists LSD? No. Yeah, and, uh, and they paint demons. Like, no, what? No. <laughs> they, they they take the LSD and then they start sketching. Okay. And it's like they show after ten minutes, after fifteen minutes, and it gets weirder and weirder. That and so sounds real, fun. Have you seen the spider webs? The real ones. The the they. Wow! Oh, oh yeah. they brush the
2: spiders with LSD. They'll
3: they'll, they'll give the spiders yes. LSD, oh, okay. yes. and then they
2: now I know what you're talking about. I'm thinking that like artists are drawings. No, 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 okay, no. Yeah, yes.
3: they give the spiders LSD, and how it just gets stranger and stranger. The webs get weirder and weirder, and it's you know, it's Andy. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It's it's proper Andy. You know, he uh, he probably get grab some Sculpey, and you know, <laughs> God knows what he'd make.
2: I'd be willing to watch that happen, though. I don't want to hear it happen, but I want to watch it happen.
3: <laughs> uh, there was a, a friend of mine. She's uh, kind of a, uh, uh, I don't know, <laughs> Susie Homemaker type okay. of person. She does some improv and stuff. But the the, the funny thing about it is she uh, had come over to drop something off the house when the CWs were gathering for a game. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, I know you love that, but it
4: just, it makes my mind go to weird things. Like the CW is like the, 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 the universe, uh, you know, the DC universe came <laughs> over to your house because I'm like freaking the CW, yeah. you know, but, anyway. but she
3: saw Andy's sculpture of the Shoggoth and she's like looking at it, and she's like, Ooh, this looks interesting. Wow. There are eyes, there are teeth and, uh, Oh because you know he's got some anuses on there too, and she's like, "That's very interesting, very talented," and <laughs> she like sets it down because <laughs> she just didn't know. What did, Lovecraft did is you not for everyone.
4: Bring that, or I found did, it over you there. You
3: found okay.
4: Drinking out of a boob, everybody. Wait, I wait. I have not seen this before. What? Where Where <laughs> did
2: you find this? You brought a tit cup. Yes, we're
1: in Las Vegas. A tit cup, and look at this—you can even drink from the nipple. Look it.
4: At... <laughs> wow. He says as he pulls yeah. it, Andy and spills it all over. It. Yeah.
2: Wow. That's uh. This is the one time I wish Andy had his camera here. Yeah. You so, would you bring this from work? <laughs>
4: no, so, uh,
1: I'll tell the story about the tit cup. Okay. In a second. <laughs>
4: Cause I'm like sitting there, and I was like, um, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. Put that in the
2: picture, don't. Yeah, that's. That just get up close to him, yeah. That's that's right. Best picture is rated PG thirteen. Oh my word! Yeah, I've seen that. It says Las Vegas on it. I've seen it in you know various
1: gift shops. <laughs> the look on eighties Jeff's face—that was hilarious. No, but Andy got it for me game night yesterday. Oh, okay. And he's like, bring it to the podcast, and I was like, okay. Uh
3: huh. Yeah. What else did Andy get? Well, huh? Uh, please do tell. The cock cup. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, for... Yes.
1: Uh, for my wife. He oh, he just
3: cup. happened to forget that.
2: <laughs> I assume very much the same thing. Yes. Can the, you dr- the
1: handle is a penis. The handle is a penis.
3: The so handle, yes. Yeah. So, so she's not drinking from a penis. That'd be gross. So it
2: doesn't have an alternate way of drinking from it then? No, okay. no, no.
3: no. <laughs> c- now that I think about it like a teacup or a carafe. Oh, yes. Oh, okay.
1: right, so you just do that yeah. motion. well. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure.
3: <laughs> I I'm
2: glad you brought and I'm glad I have this booby staring at me now. This is I'll go put Hi. it away. No, no, I'll keep it out. It's good. It's right. It, <laughs> I'll look, put it, it away. looks great by the mini car I got from a Kinder Egg. So I'm perfect. so sad I have to wow, put away my like, boob. Did you get this off the black market or something, the Kinder Egg? No. You're gonna get Kinder Eggs now. Oh. They they is rede- changing the world, isn't he? <laughs> they redesigned it so it's not in the chocolate itself. It has the toy, has its own compartment, and the kinder chocolate slash goop that's on the other side.
4: I you still know. have no idea what you're talking about.
2: Kinder eggs. Kinder. In Europe, they're basically a chocolate egg okay. inside well, a toy. As well as Canada, uh,
1: we have the, the original kinder egg
2: there. Okay. Oh, that came from you guys? No. That's not the original one then. Oh, but I mean, the original oh. design oh, okay. is still over there. Okay. Are yeah, up the, there. That's because, you know. Children there are and apparently stupid. But so, in America, they outlawed Kinder Eggs because it has a toy in it and yeah. a child will eat the egg with
4: the toy in it. That's and... yes, because children are stupid.
2: Yes, exactly. Well, look what's happening. Tide Pods.
4: Yeah. That's it's, enough yeah. we say to that. <laughs> we we don't uh, always make great decisions when we're young. <laughs>
1: I never ate chemicals when I was young. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that you're aware of well, <laughs> or that you remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? I watched a really interesting documentary on Hulu about the Dana Carvey show. I don't know if anybody remembers. Back in 96, they, uh, Dana Carvey had left Saturday Night Live. Um, he had started his own TV show. And the pedigree behind the show was amazing. Uh, Louis C.K. was the head writer. Um you had um oh I'm totally blanking out on his name. That's the executive producer. I'll think of him in a second. But you had Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert. Oh wow. As actors slash writers on the show. As well as like several other people. Like you if you watch the documentary, you'll be like, Oh, I know that person, I know that person. So it was a show and the, the actual the title of the documentary is Too Funny to Fail. Uh you know the story of the name. Dana Carvey show, and uh, oh, why can't I think of his name? He did the uh, Mark Goodson. No, he he did Ill-todden. the Saturday the Saturday Evening Funhouse on Saturday Night Live. So if you have the if you ever seen the ambiguously gay duo that actually started on Schiller, no, but uh, that cartoon actually started on the Dana Carvey show, and because this guy had been a writer on Saturday Night Live. When he went back to Saturday Night Live, when he was when the show was canceled, um, he brought that show with him. So that's an interesting thing. But uh, it, it's it's really funny because I remember the show and I really liked the show. I can't even
2: remember. I was a huge it, fan of Carvey. I can't remember the show.
4: It was it was pitched as a really kind of bizarre, out there sketch comedy show, a la uh, Monty Python. You know okay. that, that kind of weird transitions into other things and just like that bizarre, funny comedy kind of stuff. And they'd pitched it around a few networks, and then ABC picked it up, and it went in the slot right after Home Improvement. Oh, that's a fine coupling. Unfortunately, nobody on the show... And then they make the point towards the end of the documentary is that nobody on the show watched Home Improvement. So they're thinking, hey, it's just, you know, it's one of the highest rated shows on TV. We're falling right into it. And they couldn't figure out why people were just shutting the TV off after Home Improvement for this show because the, the that home improvement slot was that whole family-friendly, really right before Disney bought ABC. In fact, they the deal was signed right before Disney bought ABC. So they had to fight with that whole, uh, you know, the, the Disney standard for ABC <sighs> that was brand new for the network when they were doing more adult-style crazy comedy. Like, one of the sketches is uh, Bill Clinton uh, breastfeeding... Uh, babies and cats and dogs and stuff. So it's bizarre funny stuff. One of my favorite sketches was the... You you uh, say as I'm staring at a boob cup. Yes. (laughs) So I've I've got a whole image now. One one of my favorite sketches they did was these bad practical jokers which is like the punchline was the guys were screwing themselves thinking they were screwing other people. For example um, in one of the sketches they shovel the snow off of this lady's sidewalk and She's like, "Stay right here. I'll go get your money." She goes inside. They look at each other, start laughing, and they run away, get in their car, and drive off. And she comes out with the money, and she's looking around. So the sidewalk's been cleared, and they're running away, going, "Ha ha! We got him! We got him! We totally screwed that. That was so funny." So that was that was one of the Guess sketches. You had to be there, huh, Jeff? You <laughs> <laughs> have to see the sketch. Uh,
3: at any rate, I can uh, totally actually see Jeff. Yeah, loving that. <laughs> That's funny, but yeah, it's uh, it's a really
4: good documentary. If you have Hulu or if you have access to it, hmm. definitely check it out.
3: Wow, yeah. cool! Too, I didn't even too
4: know. Too funny to fail. Didn't either one existed? Hulu has. Well, well, I mean, we have Hulu on the yes. on the Xbox, but I found out I was looking through like some of their original stuff because they tout like the you know the the eleven twenty two sixty three and the you know the Runaways and all that the the Marvel. their their own yeah their own originals original program what I didn't realize is that in their original programming they also have some original documentaries and so forth and I love you know a good crazy documentary and so anyway definitely check that out it was a lot of fun I really enjoyed it
2: this week I spent plenty of time between two things Dead Rising 4 Frank's big package Uh, That came out for the PlayStation 4, I think, in December. It had come out on Xbox One for a year prior. Right. And then it finally came out for the PlayStation. But the version for the PlayStation has all the downloadable content in it, so it's it's Frank's big package. eh? (coughs) Me and Dead Rising go back a long ways. Yes. I I really enjoyed that series except for one thing. It had a constant timer going. Mm. And... So you it was an open world game so you could go and explore at your leisure. However, there is a series of quests that have a specific time limit to be solved. And if you don't solve it in that time limit, that quest is gone and lost forever. And I think some of them were actually like game breaking quests. Like,
4: I seem to remember you you getting frustrated about something like And the first like 3
2: that. all had that. So it was fun to go out and destroy zombies, craft these weird, awesome blow-up weapons, because the zombies populate the screen by the hundreds. But I was frustrated that I now have to stop having fun killing all these zombies and go do this quest before it goes away forever. In part four, they took that all away. Now it's do the quest at your own leisure, and in the meantime have fun with the open world zombie experience so this is the first of the Dead Rising 4 games that has me at 100% it is just fun fun over the top goofball fun that this is not a game that takes itself seriously it's especially compared to the last few not very dangerous it's kind of hard to die which kind of is a point against it because, it, it, one, it allows you to take more risks because you're not so afraid to die. But at the same time, it doesn't have that survival horror factor that I better watch my step around here. Now it's just, I'm going to get in this truck that I've built that picks up zombies and flings them like a catapult from the back and drive around town and take out about 700. So, if that sounds like your kind of game, I highly recommend Dead Rising 4. That sounds fun. Now... The other half that I've been spending my time doing is I've discovered a beautiful YouTube channel called <laughs> Hollywood Graveyard, which is exactly what it sounds. It is this gentleman who puts together these fantastically, beautifully edited walkthroughs of the great cinematic graveyards in Hollywood. So the one by Paramount, Calvary, uh, old Jewish cemeteries, but takes you through in, in multiple parts All the celebrities that are buried there, where to find their graves, and in some cases, especially in the old uh, pre-talkies era, the silent cinema, uh, who these people were and their contribution to Hollywood. It's really fun to watch, and these are beautiful cemeteries. And while I lived in LA, I never, ever, I don't know why, did never went on any of these tours, and I really want to go and see these cemeteries now you go down some rabbit
4: holes man <laughs> dude you have no idea he's not wrong though that it's it's a really interesting um series of videos there uh, it's interesting too for me being you know a film major and had to have what I have my degree in so i studied a lot of the history of cinema so when names are popping up on the screen i'm like oh i remember this person from you know Intro to film, history of film, etc. and all this stuff. So,
2: and it's kind it's, of surprising how many yeah.
4: are in unmarked
2: graves. Yeah, that's like like Bill Paxton is is buried in one of the Hollywood cemeteries, but he has no headstone currently. So it's an unmarked grave for Bill Paxton currently.
1: Hmm. But I wonder why some, that
2: is. But there's some unmarked graves that go way back to you know the 30s. That uh, this mm-hmm. person was a silent film star in the in the 20s. They were, they died buried in the late 30s, and there's still no gravestone here. It's
4: pretty wild. That is wild. But man, there's
2: some beautiful cemeteries in Los Angeles. My word.
4: What's, what's also interesting that I found is like sometimes you have like really big stars that have very subtle, almost nondescript sure. headstones or grave markers. Yeah. Just like you just walk. You, you would walk right past it if you didn't. Yeah, not actual stones. you weren't just like, actually looking. Yeah.
2: yeah, like flat plaques yep. flush against the grass and no indication on them that they were ever an actor or an entertainer. Just, it was, yeah. it'll say like, uh, beloved daughter, yep. something like that, just very simple stones.
4: And some of them were, were buried under their real name versus their stage name. So, you know, like was, I think it was Lou Costello was like, but I was sitting there and I'm like, I recognize that name. Why does that sound familiar? And because it was Louis something Castillo or something like it was like, yeah. it, it was like, a, it was a completely different spelling. And then they said, you know, you know, the, his contribution to, and then and they roll into it, and you're like, oh, it's Lou Costello from Abbott and Costello. So, yeah, apparently yeah.
2: he took, changed the name in honor of a silent movie star that he was. Some, very yeah, something of, like that. According to this, yeah, according to this, for lack of a word, documentary, producer series?
1: of the series. Yeah, I've seen some of those cemeteries, like from New York City and like uh, New Orleans or whatever, where there's. Like millions of graveyard, like graveyard, millions of headstones all like in a small little area. I've always wanted to check those out. Oh yeah, seeing stuff like that would be neat. Is it like that in Hollywood? Like the oh, they're just like on top of each other.
2: Uh, not so much. There, I mean, there's some that are very nearby to each other, but Mm -hmm. not to like, not like the old Jewish cemeteries of Prague, where you know there's there's no room between
4: stones. And some of them are massive. Wasn't one like 238 acres or something crazy oh, like that? Oh, cemeteries are massive. Was,
2: monstrous cemeteries. When
4: I mean, you know, think about, you know, how L.A. is so far spread out, you know, across that valley. And then just in like all of this, if you'll forgive the pun, dead space, just <laughs> nothing but graves. It's like, wow, that's a lot of land to dedicate to <laughs> that's, graveyard. That's
2: Okay. I'm buying land. I'm opening up my own cemetery, and I'm gonna call it nothing but graves. That's the name of the cemetery. Nothing but graves cemetery.
4: Hi, I'm Todd Bristow. Welcome to nothing but graves. Here we have nothing but graves. What kind small of- headstones, big headstones? You name it, we've got it. You
2: name your price. Thousand dollar plots, five dollar plots. If you want it, I don't give a plot. <laughs>
3: And right across the street, I'll buy some land and open up a a graveyard. Dead space.
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful. And then, of course, there's also the massive headstones. Al Jolson has this, in the Jewish cemetery, has this massive grave mausoleum with with this huge archway over it with a a painting of either God or Moses above it looking down upon him. It's... cool. It's impressive.
4: Douglas Fairbanks had a big, like, like he has a whole big fountain or uh, reflection pool rather (laughs) big long reflection pool leading up to his above ground crypt sitting there and it's all elaborately adorned and and everything and it actually kind of makes sense because at one point he and mary pickford his his wife were the two biggest stars in hollywood and their uh pick fair, which was their their plot of land that they had that they lived on, was massive. I mean, they you know, they had like three or four houses on this property. There were like a little park on there for their kids and everything. It was just it was like the place for Hollywood elite to go party, basically. So it it kinda makes sense in that respect. But that the most, they would have it.
2: most beautiful and saddest one in the in the bunch so far has been the uh, grave sites of um, Debbie Reynolds and uh, Carrie Fisher. And Carrie Fisher. They're buried in the same plot. Yeah. And and uh, there's a statue of of uh, two people holding each other, and it's, mm-hmm. it's just beautiful. So oh wow. So I recommend checking it out. You, you My gravestone know, it's would very be
1: interesting. A gigantic stone hand, middle finger up. I often wonder. <laughs> how, I,
2: I know there's rules in graveyards oh, of what you can and can't have for stones. I, I really want to have like a, just a really liberal graveyard that I'm buried I don't even want to be really buried in it. I just want a monument in it. I, I want cremated and, myself. So. Exactly. I want to be cremated, and I, I've already got all my, my plans all out there that people know what's what, who need to know. But... I do want a memorial plot, and I want it to be just like a giant, like Green Lantern lantern out of stone. <laughs> yeah, something for the kids to visit in the graveyard. That's what I want. <laughs> something, something entertaining. Get for a the little people driving. Get by. a little
3: gas feed into it, and just have it be an eternal flame. Just this little green eternal flame
2: Yeah, it's, it's great. Just fun. put
4: in blackest night on yes! just that just that little piece of the, the pledge.
2: And if I have to go basic, I guess I can always do There are other worlds than these. That's that's my basic stone, I guess. Yeah. For you Dark Tower fans. What other geeky things you do this week, guys? Let's see. Oh, he's uh, well, he's digging I think, deep. He's digging well, deep I think.
1: Uh, okay? What did you do this week? Oh, was that
2: how that works? Is that how that works? You, you
4: think and then you hand it over. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll come up with something. Andy, throw uh, you under the bus while I think.
3: Andy introduced us to Five Minute Dungeon. Oh, is, yeah. it, is it everything oh, yes. he said it was? Uh, well. Yeah, you it was know pretty Andy, good, actually. It was... He takes such joy in life. It's uh, You you kind of get contaminated by the happiness. This is true. Uh, so um,
4: It's fun to play, but it's tough because you are under such a time crunch and you have to really understand Oh, I wasted what so many cards. cards are. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, so uh, for, for the listeners okay. kind of give me the basics of
3: 5 minute dungeon. So, um you in 5 minutes. Yeah. Oh god, hit the timer. You actually each person can be a specific type of character archetype towards D and D, or you know, medieval fantasy role playing: warriors, wizards, clerics. Uh, f- yeah, fighters, barbarians, wizard. Uh, uh there's a Valkyrie, um, thief, <clears throat> a huntress, ranger, Cavalier. acrobat. So, and what you do is you have a stack of cards that are that the stack is unique to your character. Okay. Now the stack. The each card has a symbol. You'll have like a shield, a scroll, a sword. You also might have a special power, like defeat an obstacle. Those are like little special cards. Defeat a person. Defeat a monster. Okay. You also have a special power. Discard three cards to defeat a monster, or discard three cards to give uh, someone of your choice. Um, a free draw of two cards or three cards something like that then your maximum you're not your maximum but you draw three cards we and then you lay out a boss and the boss you have a boss deck and so what you do is you flip a card from the boss deck down and that is <clears throat> um, a, a creature and it has an array of symbols, like the shield, the sword, uh, somebody running. We called it Running Man. All right. And um, those symbols are the cards you have to put down to beat that boss. You might have three swords. Ah. You might have shield, sword, running guy. You might have three swords, three scrolls, whatever you do. And you flip it over, and then you, everyone around the table, it's a co-op game, you all are like, okay, so I got a like shield. It. And you throw it down. Matt would always get excited, and he'd just start throwing shit out. I forgot <laughs> to say, like, you yeah. know,
1: sword, shield. It's like, boom, all right, we defeated it. Shield, shield, shield. I'm like, I just put a shield. Yeah.
3: Man, you know, or, yeah, you... So everyone's
2: yeah. playing at the same time like Pit.
3: Yes. Yeah, or like the... Um, the temple uh, the game. Temple, the temple escape game, yes. And it's time. You've got five minutes... You run through the deck, and when you hit, when you run out of the deck, there's the final boss uh, stats which you have to beat.
1: And there's like nine of them. Yeah, up, it's like, yeah, it's like a... yeah, yeah.
3: It might be six scrolls and yeah, a sword shield running guy. And or... You don't know what you have to save up and, for mm-hmm. the end. To beat yeah, well, him, what? what you do is you draw up to three so you have your three cards you throw down a card you'll draw up the three unless like matt's character had a power where he could get people to draw more cards um uh the valkyrie uh which paulette played this is a similar thing paulette was constantly saying everybody draw two cards or and you can draw those two cards and then you just play down to three you know but you're you, and you're just constantly rolling that's one of the things about it is you're you're constantly throwing out your cards, draw up to three and throw out more cards and you know, do that and keep rolling through. And it's five minutes. It's a five minute timer, although some people have a, a stop timer yeah. power. Oh, wow. Okay. So you can stop the timer until somebody puts down a card and that allows you to Okay, okay, yeah, hey, 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 yeah. Hey, hey. right, Matt, is, stop, stop throwing down this. Or you know, okay, what do we got here? Or, you know, no. you can you can organize yourselves and then start again as soon as you throw down a card. Huh. It's a so. good game. And it is. Oh, goddamn, it's, it's cool. Fun. It's cool. And it is. It's you know. It's a five minute dungeon. Mm-hmm. So you knock out five minute rounds. You you know. It could very quickly get addicting. Um, uh, you have a kind of like campaign mode because you have uh, bosses. Um, you have the standard boss deck, which is standard monsters, and then you've got the uh, advanced boss deck, which you various types of cards you will fold in. You will shuffle in. Depending on who the boss is, and so as the boss gets the boss, the big boss card gets more complicated. The deck gets more complicated. There's more to do. Wow! So we started at a basic level, and then you work your way up. Oh, well. Wow. Yeah. So this that, sounds like fun. That was yeah. It was fun. It was cool. It was interesting. Up to what? Five players, right? I think so. Yeah. I think it's a five-player game. So so got, what what is it about five players? This is true. That's oh, yeah. that there must have been some research that the. The average gaming, you know, people getting together to play games is five or something, that, that they do that. Either that or there's some mathematical thing where all these game rules. Like five's good, but seven breaks the yeah, game. Yeah, it, it starts breaking <laughs> down afterward. Yeah, so we did that. We also um, played the game that uh, Lewis brought. the Tomb of... Oh, tomb of, tomb of annihilation. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, I'm on board. What's yeah. tomb of annihilation?
3: That's well, that's a, another one of those D and D board games. Uh-huh. You know, you know, like uh, the Castle Ravenloft, the Wrath of a Shardolon, which is a dragon one, the uh, Drizzt Legend of Drizzt one, one of those
2: uh, descent style games. Yeah, right? it's a uh, it's, somebody's a
3: dungeon master. The rest are players. Uh, no, it's uh, we're all players. Oh, it's tile based okay. and it's designed. So that you uh, you you lay down your tiles, take your actions, trigger encounter cards, trigger monster cards, trigger traps, and so on.
1: Like you lay a tile down, it'll have two monster markers on it. Oh, okay, you got to draw two mon- monsters That's from right. the
3: monster deck. You never played with this, did you? No. It was a, yeah, yeah. There's no there's. It's not Descent with a game master, which no. I remember was a thing about Descent you didn't like. Yeah. Uh, this <clears throat> this in fact you could play solo. Yeah. You, one person could you know sit there and, and play by themselves. It's traps, ambushes. Yeah, and it's Which tile I see based. me doing. Yeah, crying. Yeah, <laughs> you uh, you sit there, you lay out the tiles and build the dungeon then, as you Jeff, go through. You want to
1: play a game? No.
3: Yeah. Oh. You play a, a <laughs> ranger. You play a barbarian. You play a cleric, or you know something like that. I was a bard um, this time. Actually, uh, he was a bard, and he, you know. Um, the mechanics are you would recognize, Todd, the mechanics are a little similar to fourth edition. <clears throat> so it's sort of like this is how they this is how they kind of kept using the fourth edition uh, system. It makes so, sense to use that in a board game. Yeah, yeah, it works. It works really well. It works really well. And uh, yeah, we've been playing those. Lewis, I mean those are expensive games. Yes, that, that what, the 60 to 80 bucks? Boxes, yeah, are big. And Lewis, Lewis just, you know, new one comes out, he buys it. Major uh, Meh. Major Meh yeah. must have some game shelves. He's got, he's probably, yeah, he's got a game shell. He could so, do his
1: own Meeple, whatever. Yeah, Meepleville. <laughs> <right>. Meepleville, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: So we played those. Um, and it was kind of funny because we actually had to figure out the rules for Tomb of Annihilation because it's a little different from the other games. And that took a while, and then we played the game, and it took about an hour and a half or something. And then Andy busted out five minute dungeon. <laughs> and we're like, bam, 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 and then people had to you leave. forgot get you, whiplash you, on you that. Missed something there. You remember how Oof. he spilled
1: his cup all over? Wait, I uh, yeah no. we we
3: we were we we were eating. We had pizza and while got, you were and goddamn it, a bit of tomato sauce got on my shirt, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, fucking a. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there with this, like this, this, this scar of tomato sauce on my on my uh, left pectoral, and everyone's laughing at me. So I go and I change shirts, and I, I put that shirt in, and, and I come back. and do out. I I'm say? Just, like, ir- Irritating. I called it, and you were like, I called it." You were like, "You know, watch yourself, because Andy's going to spill on you and just get all over you and the cards and your <sighs> shirt." Because man. you change your shirt. And I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." And then, sure enough, like a uh, 45 minutes later or something wham he just does his hit knocks his spill proof <laughs> cup over and of he does and of the soda shoot jets out of the straw <laughs> and just <laughs> <laughs> right across me Your chest. Oh. and i was gonna sit there and i was like well i'll just and and after five minutes i'm like this is this is wet and annoying and so i had to change <laughs> shirts it's a two-shirt night yeah it's a
2: hell of a
1: night and Major Matt was like, I and mean, he's got some on my cards. Yeah, oh. so we had to. Yeah. You know, uh, oh no! Well, you know, a little you upset about that. Major
3: pads. Matt, he's like, oh, there's stuff on the cards.
2: I normally don't like sleeves on cards and card games. You need but it with
3: Andy. Yeah, you do. You really do. Even with spill-proof cups, he he finds a way. <laughs> it's so impressive. You know,
1: it's it's like it's like you walk into a motel where you're gonna kill somebody. With I'm Andy? Sorry. No, with Andy, you okay. need to like. Plastic all the fucking oh, couches. Okay. And oh yeah, Plastic yeah, gotcha. the bed.
3: Plastic the table. And he th- he walks in like, what, "Are you gonna kill me? No, just you're gonna spill it's, shit." It's it's Andy. It's like... Andy's coming to visit. And eventually, that's how you throw people off. They walk in, they're like, "Oh, Andy's coming to visit." Blow <laughs> <laughs> uh, their what, brains out. What, uh, what it. is
1: it? Um, what was the assassin's name? Maple Johnny? No, fuck. <laughs> Maple Johnny? No, what was what, what was the assassin's what, name? What Jimmy Poutine?
3: There we go. poutine. Jimmy Poutine's <laughs> yeah. on the hit. Yeah, Poutine. <laughs>
4: Now uh, Jimmy Poutine would go to Cap Andy and he'd slip and fall and shoot himself.
3: Yeah, <laughs> or Andy would trip and bump into him, and somehow the guy would swallow his gun
1: <laughs> <sighs> and choke. Not hit the trigger, Sh- yeah. choke on it. he's
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 sitting there choking on the gun, and Andy's like, "Oh wow, that's that's terrible."
2: I'm sorry. Can I get you something? No, what do you want me to do?
1: I
3: hate violence. All right. What I do you want hate me to guns.
2: Do? No. Then Andy's doing the Heimlich, and the guy has a gun down his it's it's a beautiful <laughs> vision. It's a beautiful vision. It's <laughs> when the gun goes off, when yes. Andy's heimlicking him and he's like Okay, that scene definitely needs to be written into a screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> and then Uh oh.
1: Yeah.
4: <laughs> wow. Andy the, movie.
1: <laughs> Andy the
4: movie. Oh god. Produced by mm. Universal Pictures. A comedy if horror. anybody knows the history I'm sorry, of the movie. Sorry guys, it's Pictures. already been
1: done. Mr. Bean. <laughs> They're
4: famous for disaster picks. There
1: you go. Wow.
2: Anything else, gents?
4: Um that about covers it. Uh yeah. Nothing that I can think of right now. Yeah. Uh, let's do a little email. Oh, okay. Okay. I've been
2: punisher. There we go. You watch the punisher.
1: Um but two episodes left. All right. So I like that. It's good. Good Punisher. Yeah. There yeah, we go. It's you can go. Canada approved Punisher. Yes.
2: All right. Lots of murder, death, kill. Go ahead. Very true. Attention, crew of Monkey Command Center Alpha! With Torgo's revelation that he had no connection to the last Starfighter, and Andy's past revelation of the same for Goonies, I got to thinking about how many times I've had the same feeling, like Edward Scissorhands. I can't get past the conceit that it was wise of the old inventor to make such a reckless decision by bringing Edward to life with weapon hands when he's essentially incomplete, only to die right before adding the proper hands. If it weren't for my massive teenage crush on Winona Ryder, I would have shut the movie off and walked away. Maybe that doesn't quite count in the same way as Andy in Goonies or Torgo in Starfighter, but I definitely felt the lack of connection... When I read Catcher in the Rye at the young, impressionable age of 26, Uh. I found Holden Caulfield to be a whiny little shit. He's completely to blame for all the problems he has in his life, and he's too self-absorbed to do anything about it. I stepped back and looked at my life and had the revelation that having children by the time I read the book killed my ability to relate. I think the reason you're supposed to read that book in high school is that you're supposed to be a whiny little shit to get into it. So, my question to you guys is Are there any other classics you just don't relate to? Keep geeking, dudes. Much love to you all. Justin, a.k.a. Froyog Soft Serve.
1: This answer is going to piss a lot of people off. Bring it on. Fucker. So will on. (laughs) Star Wars. What? Last Jedi, you bitch. It's going to piss people off because it's such a beloved movie, and I don't know why I don't like it. E.T
2: wow exactly. i love this exactly i wow. watched it once
4: that is the best and I've never how old were you when you watched it when it come out again 83?
1: 83 all right so i obviously didn't watch it when it was one okay <laughs> um i would he say late one 80s one. Yeah, yeah. Early 90s, late 80s i remember i was watching it on tv in the late 80s okay. i remember that much maybe i was
4: too young to get it i don't know maybe But I've never... I was going to say, if you're a little bit older, it definitely hit you. Sorry, it was 82, excuse me. 82. So
2: I was, what, nine
3: when that thing came out?
4: I was was eight. I mean, it hit me right in the feels when I saw it. Oh, sure. Sure,
3: little Drew Barrymore. Oh. Oh. When she started crying.
4: But you got to remember, Henry Thomas was around the same age when that movie came out, so... See, I told a you lot of us, us, you off. Well, no, no, I, I'm not. I'm not defending the movie, and I'm not attacking uh-huh. you. I'm just saying that it's it's understandable if you saw it while you're when you're older to not identify with it because it was written, you know, as a family movie. Obviously, first of all, and you know, you more identify with the lead character when you're around the same age. Uh, no, think. I think, I, think I was like eight older.
1: or nine when I saw it, and I just didn't care.
2: So that would be the same. Thing? Yeah, I just
1: didn't yeah. care. Yeah, like but what you, happened to? You, any you just born connect, in, so, if you okay. were born in
4: 82, then you're not seeing that until like 89. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. So it was but, kind of past. Its, wow. Well, it's kind of the same thing as like when I went on E.T. the ride at Universal. I was happy I did it because it was a piece of history, but it was a clearly out of date ride that was due for replacement unfortunately it was a lot of fun wow. but at the same time it's
3: <sighs> so basically not <laughs> if you're if, if you're in a strange land and you're lost don't go to matt for help yes he's just not going to be sympathetic get out of here the, you little weirdo he's just I don't, I, don't care. Care. <laughs> I don't care i don't care i don't care
4: don't
1: care. I'm just saying. I knew that you was an unpopular all the beer. answer, I don't care. so there we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's yours, huh? Let's good. see what you
3: got. Well, actually, I kind of talked about it when we did it last. Uh, I'm I'm with Andy on Goonies. Mm-hmm. I saw it as an adult, and looking back on it, I was just, eh. It's not like it. I think it's, oh, this is you know, overhyped or any because you know I generally don't do that in my judgment of movies. But I'm just like, yeah, this this didn't do it for me. Um and I, you know, generally, I tend to like stuff. I tend to be more accepting of stuff. So, I mean, you know, I liked Rogue One and Last uh, Jedi and, and Force Awakens. So, obviously, I have no well, taste. of course, they're good movies. Yeah. <laughs> but um, The Martian Chronicles was a, a book I could not get into. That's a, oh. That's a Bradbury classic. Yeah. Everybody raves about it. One of the science fiction classics. I grew up on harder science fiction like Heinlein and, and Isaac Asimov. And Bradbury is, is actually more of a prose poet. He's more of a, a stylist. And I couldn't, I, I, I didn't even finish it. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Everyone's like, ooh, Martian Chronicles. Those are great, You know," And I just could not handle them. So maybe, <laughs> you know, that's the book version. Sure. Could not handle I've got a um, close second. Never ending story. Um, oh, Wow. Boy, you just... Matt and I are going to fight. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Don't be a... What kind of childhood did you have? That's a close
1: third. Labyrinth, Targo? Wow. (laughs) Get out of my house. Shut your (laughs) mouth.
4: Jeff, you got one? Yeah. um, I never could get into a Christmas story. Ooh. That movie, oh now we fight. I, I I don't know what it is yeah. about that movie. I've always wow. I've always felt it was way overrated. Like you know it's a Christmas classic and they they show it like a million times. Hartnett
3: doesn't like it. Not when it came out. That was a flop of a movie.
4: Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Like my grandparents took us to see it in the theater. You know, my or my dad's parents, that side of family, grandparents, and like all the cousins. I won't say it. And I'm I'm sitting there in the theater going, eh. I mean, I kind of liked it, but like on subsequent viewings, I'm like, this really isn't that good. And I wow. and 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 I know people that say that I'm crazy because they said, oh, I could totally identify with everything that Ralphie went through, and I'm like, I can't. I can't identify with anything that he went through other than the being bullied, and I never, you know, had the size or the, you know, the strength. You never melted
3: down and beat a shit out of one kid? No, I never had the size or strength (laughs) to to
4: confront my bullies like he did, but uh, no, just like nothing in that movie, you know. You never said, oh, fudge, but didn't say, oh, fudge? (laughs) <laughs> no, I I I didn't actually swear until I was like 16. So I say your dad wasn't downstairs swearing at the furnace <laughs> no. trying to get it. No.
2: Oh, dad, got a, dad, flavor. My
4: parents were very careful not to swear around us. In fact, it wasn't until I think I was about 15, and I was, you know, my dad was doing some flight training and, you know, I I got to tag along and and I heard him swear for the first time and I was just like shocked because, you know, you're, you you don't see your parents as being. Be still know, my normal. flooded heart. He yeah. couldn't.
3: He couldn't paint a palette with profanity, <laughs> the way Ralphie's dad did. Right. I just
1: don't get how you can't relate to that movie though. You never oh, got. Wow. You it's never got. There, there are a couple, you couple got people. soap in there. There are a couple people. You never went and saw I a never, Psycho. Never had Santa. My mouth
4: washed out with soap. Uh, you never yeah. wanted
1: a toy that no one would get you, and they're like, "It's against whatever."
4: I mean, wanting to- everybody has had a toy that they wanted and they just didn't get. That's, I mean... That was the main... Uh... There, there wasn't like something that I obsessed about that I didn't get for Christmas because growing up poor, you know, anything I got, I, I was just happy to get anything for Christmas. So I, I didn't have that one thing that I obsessed over that I had to have, had to have, had to have, and then didn't get for Christmas and then was just devastated and then oh there it is i got it it's right there so you and i
1: both growing up poor we'd relate more to tiny tim maybe
2: yeah okay i was disappointed by your your oval teen and little oral annie i was gonna say a little little oral 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 i am talking i am talking to jeff here (laughs) (laughs) he's not gonna do a little orphan annie little oral annie he's gonna do that Dakota ring <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> and it's gonna I, be a decoder. I actually ring. did
4: have Ovaltine growing up because my dad absolutely loved it, so my mom would buy it, and occasionally she would make some for all of us. And I've it, never had it. It's shit, isn't it? It's 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 not for yeah, kids yeah. because okay. it's got that. It's chocolate, but it's got that it's, malt to it. It's got, and some I oil. I couldn't appreciate like chocolate malts. When I was a kid, I, I just it, makes it tastes here, funny. Probably, <laughs> but as an adult, when I, I was like, "Ooh, that malt adds something to that chocolate shake or that vanilla shake." You know, it just it it adds a little bit to it. When I was a kid, I just it just it just was like, "Ugh, this tastes funny." So you know, as as you're wont to do when you're a kid. So
2: and because of it, he never got into a Christmas story. It's a shame. Yeah, I I, I got job. a couple. One one's of course a, a, a modern. Actually, the kind of modern ones, uh, a modern fantasy epic. We've I've discussed it before. Brandon Sanderson's Way of Kings. Mm, that that's, yeah. that's uh, the style of writing where he's the the show don't tell. He had no exposition. Sanderson, I just couldn't. <laughs> no I, I just could not. Yeah, just crack it with my brain.
3: Yeah, his. Uh... His uh, uh, writing podcast—they're—they're the, they're all very heavy on show don't tell, and it's really funny because I was just like, ah, well, that's the way the modern thing is. And uh, there was one—I think it was—I think it was Kim Stanley Robinson, who's a an award-winning sci-fi author, who just one time was just like, I can't stand when people say that. There's a great tradition of expository writing, and I don't think people should. And you know, and he makes. He, he makes a case, because like what your problem with Way of Kings is, you know, and that is, that's very Sanderson. He's, yeah, it's the the first hundred
2: pages that you just get, get hit with terms with no exclamation, ex, exclamation, Jesus Christ. I'm not even reading.
3: I know, Andy isn't even here. I no explanation right of what right those right terms
2: mean, and they just right. keep being used over and over again. Right. And you, I'm just supposed to get it eventually, is the way I see it. Uh, I I always... There's a really good book by Nick uh, Mamatas on writing. It's called "Starve Better," and he talks about the whole uh, show don't tell aspect of it. And he 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 believes that a lot of writers overgrasp onto it, where mm-hmm. show don't tell shouldn't be that the don't say that he had an anger problem. Show a character moment where he can't control his anger. Right. That's show don't tell. Right. Not. The flim-flam entered the cartorn, and then he was very angry because he didn't have a chival. That's, to me, that's what Sanderson's writing is. hmm Sure. And that's what, I, that's what I can't. And, of course, I know, I know you love it, and I know a lot of monkeys that have just absolutely adored that series of books. Yeah. But I just it just doesn't well, work for I, me.
3: Well, I got into his Mistborn trilogy, which is a lot of that, because he's, he's very system-oriented. He was a big big magic player and so Uh, magic systems having their own internal logic and stuff like that he's very big on that
2: and it's it's obvious he's he's built deeply into these books Mm -hmm. and so much so I know there's now board games based on his work Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's one and the other one that I just just doesn't work for me I just don't get it it doesn't doesn't hit me right as like that a lot of people, they, they build a whole world philosophy around it. There's a religion based on it. The Big Lebowski. Ah. That, that's one that that just does not uh, crack this brain. Is, When's the last, really? uh, When's I, the last time you watched it? it? It's been a while.
4: Because I, 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 I'm with you when I watched it in my 20s. When I watched it in my late 30s, it felt like an entirely different film. And I don't know exactly why that is. Other it might than, be
3: I was in my thirties when I watched maybe it. Maybe so. And and so I,
4: it made a huge difference in the way that I I perceived the you that, know what? the I, events of the film.
2: I went through something similar. I mean, so maybe maybe you are right. Because
3: so, I went through something similar with another movie. It's called A Christmas Story. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> we should have a big Lebowski night sometime and watch it again and see if <laughs> add it to the list. If we can uh it, like, if we can
4: I still drink ri- white Russians when I go bowling if there's a bar there
3: <laughs> I just it's for I, the hell of yeah. it <laughs> I, I just I love that I mean when movie, I saw but... it
2: I, I got what people saw into it and mm-hmm. just the philosophy of dudeism just didn't oh, translate, translate. To oh, and, <laughs> and,
4: the, and also the Cohen brothers their style of filmmaking doesn't Appeal to everybody, sure, and and, and I and, I will and say, their films are like I I will say as somebody that enjoys cinema, mm-hmm. greatly. It their films are very hit or miss with me. I either love them or I hate them. Right, and hates hates a strong word. I either love them or I just don't care for them at all. And and I have to admit, I don't, I don't, don't, I
2: don't think there's a Coen Brothers film that I'm like I really enjoy this movie. Maybe I maybe really enjoyed raising. Like Cohen. I was gonna say
4: I really, really enjoyed raising in. Arizona when I saw that it. That
3: one. That one totally took me off guard. That's another one. Ladies of Arizona does nothing for me. Really? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my
2: God. I've seen it a few times. I'm like, that is so damn funny.
3: The scene where the where the thieves are like baby ah that's when I died yeah. for that movie <laughs> they leave it
4: on the freaking yeah. cement
3: and I was just like oh my god these these assholes are caring so much about the baby and it just it just endeared me to the whole conceit of the movie well
4: yeah they're they're, they're total sociopaths they yeah. literally will do whatever it takes to keep themselves alive they don't care about killing anything but yeah you're right they care. For some reason, about this little yeah, baby, was just, Nathan Junior, <laughs> and that just, <laughs> just that, so that made the
3: whole movie for me. It was at that point a total buy-in, and I was like, "This is this is just insane. This is crazy." Um, oh, but maybe there's something about the Cohen style that just doesn't. It work It could for me. be. It's it's maybe that's what it is. Not it's rough. the Russell basket itself.
4: It's, it's just because even the, the films style. that I haven't enjoyed, like story-wise, the visual style is undeniably breathtaking. You know, there's, Fargo, is that a Coen film? Yes, Fargo is a okay, Coen I Brothers film. I liked that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's like I said, they're, they're, a lot of them can be very hit or miss with audiences. Hudsucker Proxy. That's another one that uh, audiences were kind of split on. It's like half of people that like Coen Brothers films really liked it, and half of them just hated it. So, yeah, it, it could be. It could be their style of filmmaking. I didn't yeah. like Where, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That was mm-hmm. uh, that was a Coen Brothers film that I just didn't care for.
3: Black Hole. Ah, that's one that uh, I never really got into. I, I think a lot of people never got into the Black oh, Hole, okay. though. All I
4: right. did, but I was very young when it came out. I've watched it as an adult and go, "Wow, why did I like this?" Because it's maybe that there's something. it's it's really there's not a lot of exposition going on, so you don't really know what's happening until towards the end. And even then, you don't really kind of get what's up with... I probably haven't seen that movie Dr. in a Maximilian decade. Dr. Maximilian Shell. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> so, in elementary school, did you have movie days? Like, they would take everyone yeah. to the auditorium and show, like, For the Love of Benji or mm-hmm. Shoe, or something like yeah, that. Sometimes, yeah.
4: Sometimes they'd bring the VCR Benji, into our yay. classroom. Love Bug or something like that. Yeah. At
2: one time, they, during elementary, they showed us Black Hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was it was cool that it was a space movie with, with cute robots, but at, I, th- I think it was probably like fourth or fifth grade, and I, didn't, and I was like, I'm not really getting it. Uh-huh. Did, <laughs>
3: did he meld with
2: Maximilian? At the, with, what? Uh, I would, it,
3: it was tough for me because my mom raised me to be something of a sci-fi snob, right? So, I mean, I didn't really read a lot of kids' books, as much as I, I got right into the the, uh, the adult novels Heinlein and Asimov and stuff, and then of course I was raised on Star Trek, <clears throat> and approached that as very serious, and so I still remember like the first time I saw Star Wars. I eventually got I got I got caught up in the movie, but that opening, when um, there's the boarding of the C- Rebel cruiser and the the, the blaster shots are going around, and 3PO and R2 just kind of walk through the battle to the other side, and everyone <laughs> in the audience laughs. And you're like, no, uh... I'm a kid, and I'm like, yeah you know, there's 11-year-old me going, there is no laughing in science fiction. There are people <laughs> laughing. This is not amusing. You, you have to take this more seriously. Oh, now, wow. Now, I transformed... By the end of the movie, I was just like, "Oh my fucking god, this is amazing!" You know, Autobot or Decepticon. So, <laughs> but but in that initial point, I was just like, "What the hell?" So, like, Black Hole totally didn't make it for me. I just I couldn't I couldn't do it. Although I will say Maximilian
2: probably one of my favorite robot designs yeah. in science fiction film history. You I know, love it, Maximilian.
4: It's, it brought up a couple of funny memories. You were talking about like schools showing movies and stuff. I remember two, two instances of like questionably appropriate uh, movies for the, the age of the audience. I remember in junior high, um, we had a substitute and our teacher had left a movie for us to watch and they showed us uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And I remember going, I'm like... You know, especially the scene where he rips the guy's heart out. Oh I've, wow! I've yeah, and I'm sitting there going, "I'm like, cool stuff." I th- think that's cool, but I'm thinking I'm probably a little too young to be doing like was not it PG 13? I I I don't think it was PG 13, but
2: I think it's one of the inspirations for PG 13. Yeah, it's
3: it's it's one or the other. It's yeah. either one of the first, or it's it's why people finally came up with it.
4: Yeah, because I, I remember just going, I'm like, uh, there's no adults in the room, and this is kind of a little risque. <laughs> and then the other one was uh, in high school. A pair of boobs came on the screen. You're like, yeah.
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> exactly. Yes. In cheered. high school, yeah. in
4: English class, they played the original um, 60s um, Romeo and Juliet. With uh, oh. uh, uh, Olivia Hussey, Whoa. I think yeah. is her name. Yeah. <laughs> she's like
3: 15 in that, isn't she? Uh,
4: something. It was something cr- like she yeah. was like barely legal, or like uh, I don't know. I just remember in Kansas I we guess, get huh? to the, we get to the scene <laughs> where um, they're they, you know they're post code po- I can't yeah. ah, Andy I God damn it post coitus <laughs> and they're sitting there and she's full on naked and yeah. I'm sitting there like, I'm like yeah are we really watching this right now in high school and you know a bunch of horny you know teenagers (laughs) (laughs) and i do remember our english teacher going settle down it's not that big a deal (laughs) and i'm thinking nick now there would be hundreds of especially in kansas there would be hundreds of letters to teachers from parents going this is inappropriate you should not have been fired okay oh
3: yeah. yeah yeah
4: yeah oh they'd have been fired instantly you know, Bible well, Belt. Well, the teacher succeeded at making Shakespeare interesting. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah.
3: yes, he did. There oh, you go. Uh, my, I guess my controversial one would also be I'm I'm not a Next Generation fan. Ah, yes. It's really funny. People hear that I worked at The Experience, and I am a big Star Trek fan, but it's original series. It's DS9.
4: I still can't wrap my mind around that one. And I've known you for <laughs> almost <laughs> yeah. almost Almost twenty
3: years now. Yeah, and it's it's just it's never done. I mean, there are things about it I respect. I really like, uh, and I like Patrick Stewart. Um, I liked uh, uh, Brent Spiner, um, but uh, you know, it's like I didn't get into Wharf until he got onto D, you know, DS Nine and stuff like that. And and it's funny when people hear I'm a Star Trek fan and used to work at the Experience. Sometimes they'll get me a little Star Trek gift. And it's next generation, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Inside, Kirsten's going, <sighs> yeah, you know, it's like what? There was no Spock, no Spock on the shelf. Spock! So, so yeah, so that's that's one. You know, it's, and it's not like I hate it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, and because it kept the legacy alive, it, re- it resurrected it, it brought it back yeah and and you know uh and they did do there were good episodes and and there were things i, I do watch and like but you know what
1: i can i can i I'm, can see why you don't like it because some of the, like a quarter
3: of that cast is fucking annoying <laughs> okay oh oh, oh like. my god that, this is so funny i watched a quick thing on youtube gmt tips with sateen phoenix oh, yes. and she brings on people and she talks about on gaming geek, on geek and sundry on geek and sundry okay. Well, and she's on,
4: on Geek and Sundry now on YouTube. Yeah, because we uh, Barry and I interviewed her way back when oh, when yeah. she was doing. Oh, her, dude, she's totally D and D with porn stars. Yeah,
3: she's totally changed. She's uh, she's got her own thing going. It's not she's not even uh, connected with D and D with porn stars now. Mm. Um, she actually when Wizards of the Coast did a big celebrity D and D run for a weekend, she was one of the DMs and one of the players in it. So I mean, she's gotten cachet to the point that she's associated with stuff like that.
4: She was one of the coolest interviews we did because I mean, she was she, she was totally grounded. She the she and Barry and I we like totally full on geeked out. We we're talking about stuff and yeah. and I mean the we we were slotted for like a like a seven minute interview and we ended up talking to her for like half hour, 45 totally minutes. I totally
3: see that, especially with Barry just hanging with a porn star and talking. And it wasn't even that yeah. angle. Cause we were just, no, like, no, no. We started talking geek, about geek, stuff and all of a sudden, blew up. yeah, geeking out. I can yeah, absolutely. totally see. But anyway, the the, 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 thing that triggered it, it was so goddamn funny. I laughed so hard. There's this one guy on, uh, he's like one of the editors there, but he's a good GM and he, you know, they GM? were GM game master. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not general motors. Glad he's here. Okay. No. Uh, uh, I I mean, just, not general manager. No, I just—I I, always—I've never heard it called that. I, yeah, always if d- it's not D and D. D and D is the dungeon master, right? Any other game, it's the game master. Okay. Proprietary. I got gotcha. you. He's talking about <laughs> so this thing. so band
4: aid versus bandage. I exactly. Gotcha. exactly. I got gotcha you now.
3: So he's ta- he's talking about one page RPGs, and these are they were talking about keep it simple RPGs, and it's like rpgs were the rules character creation rules randomization everything is all on one page and they they keep it really simple and and he was done there's there's one uh roll it's 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 called roll for shoes you know and and stuff like that and he's rolling through and then there's swords and scrolls that's sort of like the DD one and then he picks up and he goes there's lasers and feelings which is basically Star Trek. And I fucking laughed so goddamn hard because I thought of Next Generation, lasers and feelings, and it just perfectly sums it up. Yeah, It sums it up totally. I still have yet to watch, because Geek and Sundry is now putting up on YouTube, yes. um, um, Shield of Tomorrow, or I, f- I forget the exact name of it. It's the Star Trek role-playing game that um, our uh, Bonnie Gordon who used to work with us at Star Trek: The Experience is uh, is uh, a part paradigm. of, and she's a well, a library bard doing the con circuit there. So, but yeah, I just lasers and feelings <laughs> that just fucking killed me. It was just so damn funny. Any
2: other thoughts on this, gentlemen?
4: Well, did you? I, I don't know if it's in the news, but I did get to. I I didn't get to watch it happen live, but I got to watch it on uh, repeat. Uh, the launch of the SpaceX oh. Falcon 9 heavy, which was just freaking amazing It's
2: pretty damn impressive <laughs> watching those boosters land themselves.
4: yeah and then you know the the payload was Elon Musk's Tesla, red Tesla roadster with a uh, mannequin astronaut in there but wearing a real spacesuit that they designed most and just beautiful piece of space yeah. junk yeah and that,
3: that, that was awesome too because I remember that so people pointed out that moment from in heavy metal. Yeah, when you have the same thing, the re-entry. I think it's even called re-entry, and and a guy comes home in the in the car coming into the atmosphere and everything. <laughs> and and th- there's supposed to be people who were saying it was obviously fake. This is this is oh fake. no, <laughs> you oh, are fake no.
4: news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so over that stuff. I mean,
2: <laughs> conspiracies have gotten <laughs> it was so like, dumb. It's yeah, yeah so it's dumb. like
4: this amazing feat of privately funded engineering just happened you know uh there has not been a rocket that powerful since the saturn V rocket in the 1960s and 70s yeah that has left that exact launch pad mm. i mean that pad I, I got to see that when i went to to uh to cape canaveral you know it's where all the the saturn fives were launched from and then subsequently the space shuttles and so seeing that historic launch on that historic pad was just something really amazing. You know, something you don't normally get to see. And then to hear all these conspiracy nuts, it just, it really made me want to bang my head against the wall. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah.
2: Well, thank you, Justin, for sending that question. Uh, Next email. Hey gang, with Indy five shooting next year, how weird would it be? if what's his name playing Han Solo this year knocks it out of the park and they cast him as the new Indiana Jones. Your pal, Scoop Rodriguez.
3: It'd be really weird considering the level of criticism I'm hearing of, uh, of him, like they had to hire the acting coach and everything like that. Because hmm. um, there apparently have been problems and judgments uh, in the studio execs over his performance. Oh, up that high. In, huh. the, in, the, in the movie. Ah. So just Han Solo the movie will be interesting to see how this guy does in that regard. On the other hand, it'd be kind of, that would be funny if they did that. But actually the rumors are they want to, The right now the push is to pass the torch to Chris Pratt. They had to push it to somebody.
2: Yeah. Because there's not going to be an
3: Indy Six with Harrison Ford. I don't know. They give him the Captain Pike chair. which is a which
4: is Junior Boop
3: Sean Connery shows up Sean Connery is walking he's fine (laughs) (laughs) Junior is that you (laughs) (laughs)
4: Boop because Disney is
2: not going to give up the Indiana Jones franchise No. so they'll find a way to keep it going but they'll just reboot the damn thing it's
3: funny yeah and it, it, that is odd I mean you know doing a hand Solo prequel with a younger actor okay but the, the idea of rebooting Indy because the conceit was great. What Lucas and Spielberg came up with and created in Raiders of the Lost Ark is just one of the the greatest cinematic achievements. Absolutely. I don't care who you are in, in film snobbery. You, you cannot ignore how just amazing that movie is. And not to mention that it
4: was, <clears throat> you know, the premise could have failed miserably because mm-hmm. they wanted to throw back to those, you know, 30s and 40s adventure style yeah. movies. yeah, And to set it in that, you know, wasn't Raiders in 42 or something like that? Oh, Raiders the, was 36. 36, yeah, okay. The, yeah. So to throw it back to that era in the, the 80s... Period piece, yeah. ...was a
3: huge risk. Yeah. A yeah. huge 1941 risk. 1941 failed.
4: Yeah, exactly. You
3: know, Spielberg big did... Spielberg talked about derp it derp in his... Derp a
4: derp a derp. Yeah.
3: Fuck! <laughs> You're next, Matthew.
4: Yeah, Spielberg <laughs> talked about it in his own documentary on, yeah. uh, on uh, HBO and they it just it's like, you know, 41 didn't do what I thought it was going to do and then so I had that anxiety going into you know yeah. Raiders yeah. and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, yeah, cuz you don't think about the fact that they were so close together. Yeah.
3: So imagine yeah. if it'd been Tom Selleck. Yeah. You know, but 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 it, it, Harrison Ford is iconically yeah, is is indie, you know. And now I mean, right now, for the time being, when the Solo movie comes out, he's more iconically indie than he's Han Solo, because we've got someone else doing Han Solo for one movie. Right. Sure. I just, so it's really hard to imagine, I like Chris Pratt, I'd love to see he him. He has the charisma. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, it, he could, uh, and they do, you do a period piece serial uh, homage, I could totally see that. But as Indy, that's, that's weird. Anyone else other than Ford? It's just—it is tough shoes to yeah. fill, but
2: they're gonna have to fill it. Yeah, eventually.
1: Too, yeah. Old.
3: too old. He's too old. Boop. <laughs> Boop.
2: <laughs> yeah, That's he's saying no, right? Boop. <laughs> yeah, <that'd> be, <laughs> whether it's Indy Sun, Ohio, or whatever, they there have to do go. something.
3: That's right. <laughs> Illinois, Ohio Jones,
1: Mississippi Jones. <laughs> Actually, that rolls pretty well. Yeah, yeah it does.
4: Well, they what if they call him Trip because he's Henry Jones the third? Arkansas
2: Jones is right out. We can't. That doesn't work. Hawaii Jones, too laid back. Too Lebowski. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One more email. Uh, Very simple. Uh, This one's from Pat. What's your battle cry?
3: Of course, Pat.
2: (laughs) What's your battle cry? I'll give you mine. Hmm, What's that? Noonan.
3: Noonan? Noonan.
2: Noonan. Noonan. But it's gotta be that that metal Noonan, 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 Noonan. Yeah, it's gotta be that.
4: Okay, all right. I always liked Spoon from the Spooned Tick. It. The Tick. So you're <laughs> gonna st- you're gonna I've I've, I've actually said that at, at work at times when I'm like, you know, gotta go back out on the floor and you know it's busy and you're like Spoon. I just go right all on right. out. He's
2: co-opting the Tick. Yep. How about you, gentlemen? For the God Emperor. Oh, wow. <laughs> right back Goodness, to 40K. Wow.
1: That's right. But <laughs> British accent. Of course, of course. Yeah. It can't be anything else. With-
3: Actually, I don't have a battle cry. I don't know. I don't know if I have it's a... Not
4: emperor. It's Emperor. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, I I know, have I know ep- what your battle cry is.
3: Andy! <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say I have an epithet, and the epithet is you know uh, Todd loves it, because he got an earful of it during a, uh, playing. You don't know Jack is motherless cunt. Because <laughs> 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 <just>, <laughs> when I get really, really frustrated and angry, I can I'll lean back and just shout that to the heavens. Yes, this is a, I've I've witnessed it. Yeah. many times. <laughs> but that's an epithet. That's a moment of frustration. A triumphant call to to. You're honor. running down the hill. Yeah. It's in just, a Brandon Sanderson novel. I don't know. It's just like, don't trip.
4: <laughs> not in the face. Not in the face. <laughs> <You're crying. laughs> so, oh, that's really? a battle cry. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a
2: crazy. battle cry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pat, for sending it in. You know what? Uh, we got a tweet a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to bring this up to you, Matt. Okay. As is from. It's uh, from Cthulhu Collector. Okay. Yes. So next podcast, can you have the guy that has read the 40K books give us suggestions on the best few books? I don't want to read all 900 versions of the Horus Heresy. <laughs> are there are there good books not about that?
1: I'm going to stop you right there. Have the guy. Have all the right. guy. Have I the love guy. it. I okay, love have it. Have the guy. All right, just a random guy here <laughs> here this week. Uh, anyways. You motherfucker.
3: I like it. 40K um, Matt. I like that.
2: Yeah. 40K Matt.
1: Yeah. Uh, top of my head comes right then and now. It'll be Gaunt's Ghosts. So I'd start with that. It's Gaunt's Ghosts. Gaunt's
2: <laughs> Ghosts. How many books in that series?
1: Three. Okay. That's not so bad. So they do have the Omnibus. 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 There omnibus. it is. <laughs> there All right. Is. Okay. made right. We've full done round. It. We've done it. <laughs> we hit the quad.
3: <laughs> 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 omnibus. 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 Yeah. <laughs> And then
1: we were talking earlier, um, Eisenhorn would be another one. I haven't read it, but Commander K has read it. I've
3: read, I've read part of Eisenhorn. Uh, Scully gave me the book. Um, he actually gave me, there's a second uh, Eisenhorn book. I can't remember the title to it. And he gave it to me with the post-it note of, uh, imagine Michael Shannon uh, played Zod in uh, oh, yeah. Superman as Eisenhorn. He, ah. he thinks that he would be a great and 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 Scully's and that ca- delivery, yeah, Scully's uh, uh, character picks tend to casting picks tend to be very spot on. So it and it it, it is good. It's well written because uh, that's – I believe that's isn't that Dan Abnett? Yes, and he's, he's one of the better ones. He's he's one of the best writers. He's he's. And did then, he start in uh, Black Library? Because I mean, he's moved out and he's yes. doing his own thing but now. I, I don't know if that's where he started. Or or did they bring him in? Like he's a Graham McNeil's another good one. Yeah. So the two of
1: them, Dan Abnett
2: and Graham McNeil. So there's the there's the real suggestion. Yeah, like Dan Abnett true. and Graham yeah, McNeil. That's go. actually yeah,
1: true. Go with authors. Gaunt's Ghost is done by Dan Abnett.
2: There so, you go. Yeah. Abnett. Look for Abnett. Abnett? He also does, I believe, the Abnett! first book of Horace Heresy. <laughs> yeah, it's good.
1: It's it is brings you right. You're like, Yo, it's gonna be awesome. And it's like how many more and all oh that? And you know
2: what? Actually, that first book of Horace Heresy it does stand alone. So it's not like you have to. You are now on the grand adventure. There you, you go. Just read
3: the first book. There you yeah. go. Yeah. There you go. Oh wow, we did it! You di- you did it! You did it, that guy. Forty K guy. The guy. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, all the guy. You guy. You. I saw you laughing when he read that. Oh my god! It's just it was it. <laughs> the guy who read the forty K books. It's just you know. Weekend Geek. Bum, bu, bu. Oh. <laughs> There's no news you don't give a shit about and Andy's not here. <laughs> ah, ah. That is awesome. Oh, I'm such a dick.
2: <laughs> Actually, this first one, it's, out, it's a teeterer. Mm-hmm. I'm oh, putting a teeterer. The, I'd put the teeterer first. So, mm-hmm.
3: Teeterer. I'm the
2: Chris Columbus.
1: Christopher Columbus.
2: Yeah. Director of Home Alone. Yes. Mrs. Doubtfire, Pixels. Yep. And the first two Harry Potter films. Is slated to write, produce, and direct Bloomhouse's screen adaptation of Scott Cawthon's video game Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, the video game created by Scott Cawthon, 2014, Five Nights at Freddy's, takes place in a Chuck E cheese-like, kid-friendly pizza place called Freddie Fazbear's Pizza where a security guard battles animatronic robots that come to life at night and turn homicidal. It's not the first attempt to adapt the popular game to film. Uh, Seth Graham Smith and David Katzenberg were originally attached to produce with Vertigo Entertainment set to develop. Uh, Gil Keenan, director of the 2015 remake of Toby Hooper's Poltergeist, was slated to direct with Warner Brothers' new line as the studio adaptation, but Bloomhouse. The production company, typically known for producing low-budget horror films and good ones such as *Paranormal Activity*, *Insidious*, the Oscar-nominated *Get Out*, won the rights to the video game's movie rights last March when they were put in turnaround by New Line. Columbus. Now, here, here's, here's the thing. Columbus wrote the original script for Joe Dante's *Gremlins*. Now, the original script is not what was on the screen. It was much darker, much right. More violent. And he also wrote the script for young Sherlock Holmes and the Goonies. so here's here's the thing. that's what's why on such a balance. Bloomhouse does great horror work. They're one of the best in especially doing uh, quiet horror or moderate horror. They're not good at the gory stuff, right, but but they're they're good at the uh what is basically modern horror right now. Chris Columbus. I, I, as a horror director, I, I, I looked through his IMDb page. I can't find an example of horror directing of anything he's done. He's written some right. movies with horror elements in it, but never directed it. And especially after Pixels, I mean, I didn't even realize that he directed that yeah. until I rewatched the movie Bob's beautifully... Profane laden takedown of the film yeah, And I'm like oh shit yeah. Christopher
4: Columbus did direct that wow yeah, Movie mobs he, he was spot on with that That movie makes zero sense Nothing about that movie Makes any sense
2: So I, I'm, I'm Five Nights at Freddy's Can work as a movie Can it work as a Christopher Columbus Directed film that's the question but under Bloomhouse production, I'm a little more buoyed by this, so I'm really teetering on this news. Hmm. Because I do love the basic conceits of those video games. They're not great video games, but right. they work as little little startle machines. And of course, the YouTube made a killing, you know, watching people get scared or fake scared by this game. The second one, is also kind of a teeterer just because this story would used to would have been in News You Don't Give a Shit About, this upcoming story. But now that it happens so often, it's just news. Geek news. <laughs> <laughs> huh. The trend of Brian Fuller leaving high profile yeah. projects continues as he and Hart Hansen have reportedly exited Apple's relaunch of the classic anthology series Amazing stories. Oh. Executive producer and showrunner Fuller and co-executive producer Hanson have vacated their positions due to creative differences.
4: Again. Yes. Again.
2: Although the separation is said to be amicable, but it's always said to be amicable. Right. Uh, Fuller developed the relaunch of Amazing Stories, originally created by Steven Spielberg in 1985 for NBC, before Apple picked it up as part of the company's attempts to get in on that original content streaming game. Uh, Fuller is said to have wanted a Black Mirror-type show, while Apple wanted a more family-friendly fare. Fuller is also set to executive produce the show alongside Spielberg, Justin Falvey, and Daryl Frank and Amblin Television and Hansen. Uh, not the band that guy I just mentioned.
4: Hart mm-hmm. Hanson is the guy that uh, mm-hmm. show ran Bones, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, I missed the question. I was caught up in the music. The TV show Bones wasn't he the one that? Uh, oh, Hart I, I, Hanson. I swear that's...
2: it could be. I have no idea. I know nothing about Bones.
4: It just it's an odd name, and I remember I had to sit through the uh, the Bones Q and A. To get to uh, something, when I was at Comic Con, I want to say it was the Stargate panel that was like right okay. after it. And I ended up falling asleep through. I got a question you. Continue. On okay.
1: That. What is with this coveted family-friendly? When's the last time <sighs> you watched anything with your family? Like seriously,
2: it's well, not it's, so much. Dude, with your you do it's more no,
4: that I, I it's, get that you don't
3: have you. kids. You.
4: There is still the mistaken <laughs> notion in Hollywood that. But I never watched any of my you, parents either. Like No, I just there's this mistaken notion that if you make something quote unquote family friendly, it has a wider audience, a wider appeal. What they've actually found in more recent studies is that anything rated P G thirteen or the equivalent like T V fourteen or T V M A actually has a much broader appeal to a much larger demographic. So there's still that old guard in Hollywood that says, if we want a brand new project to appeal to the most amount of people, we have to make it family friendly, quote unquote. So okay. that's well, well, my, my feeling is t- having heard this Apple probably is like, since we're really just now getting into this original content thing, instead of going for a target audience, we want to make it a very broad um, appeal series. If I'm making now. it family friendly. HBO I, shows. I, I know. Rated
1: R movies. Yes. Marvel movies. Yes. They're fucking all kicking ass. Yes.
4: Uh, that's that's like I said. So. That's the that's the problem that that old garden Hollywood has. Is there's Some of them are getting it. Some of the younger producers are starting to realize, hey, we've got something here that's bringing us in a lot of money.
2: I'm actually going to take Apple side on this because Amazing Stories has always been a family friendly show. Sh- that well, that amazing yes. stories was Twilight Zone light. Every and, everything and then, in there was yeah. everything in that was even the scariest episodes were kid friendly. I
4: uh, I don't know. I would say they were all family friendly because that the one with the B seventeen was really scary. Thinking about they were gonna land belly land that plane and crush that belly gun sure. until it's, his it's, cartoon landing gear came down it's at the friendly. last second.
2: It's family friendly. The dude wrote a car, drew a cartoon wheel for his plane. But it's
4: that a, that is something that would scare young children, thinking, you know, they're going to kill I'm not, I'm not kill saying it kid. wasn't scary for kids,
2: but it was right. safe scary. Just just like uh, the teacher with the cutoff head, uh, played by, I can't remember uh, the name of the episode, but... Uh, uh, Ah, shoot! The doctor from uh, Back to the Future. Oh, Christopher, uh, Christopher, 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 Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd played that teacher. Probably the scariest episode because a, a headless teacher is chasing after these kids after their their witchcraft attempt at giving him like the mumps or something failed.
4: <laughs> See, I, I don't remember that one. I'm gonna have to go back and. So watch it, that. it was.
2: It was littered with that sort of stuff. It was all. A morality Tales. And sure. So it was EC Comics light. So it's always been family friendly. I'm not saying they couldn't have taken it in a darker direction that Fuller obviously wanted to go into and I, I would certainly as at this age enjoy that a lot more but Amazing Stories was always a family friendly show. So I, I can see Apple going uh, I, we bought Amazing Stories we didn't buy uh, Black Mirror uh, yeah or Hardcore Twilight Zone or whatever you want to
4: he was trying to turn also
3: family friendly Matt tends to be code for we're not going to catch any shit from parents
4: yeah where the what's the the parents television something council that yeah that uh parents research council parents research council yeah that uber religious that they're literally die in a fire yeah it's it's like a group of like a hundred people that have nothing better to do than watch TV and write everything they think is and, morally and, wrong, and then send and it and in give the network.
3: Free publicity to The Simpsons and Married with Children <laughs> and stuff like that.
4: And you know, thank goodness the studios don't really listen to them as much anymore. But like for a while, they thought it was like this huge conglomerate of parents that were really concerned for their children, and had come to find out it's only like a few hundred people watching all day long.
2: And still doing their good work today. Yeah. And while The Hollywood Reporter had previously reported that Hanson would now take on a larger role of the show, his would-be role as showrunner ended before it began as he, too, left after the same creative quarrel. Uh, So Fuller has, of course, a history of recent exits. He stepped down from Star Trek Discovery in 2016. Then he vacated American Gods... Uh, Last year, after its successful first season, he is currently working with Paramount, adapting Anne Rice's classic Vampire Chronicles for television. Uh, So watch this space for him to leave that. In the meantime, (laughs) American Stories will continue on, uh, gearing up to take its viewers through, quote, worlds of wonder through the lens of today's most imaginative filmmakers, directors, and writers. Amazing stories. Amazing stories. What did I say?
3: I, I thought I heard American Stories.
2: That would that's definitely not what that
1: show was. Was
3: I, was I the only one who heard that? No,
1: yeah. I heard something different than me, but I don't know if it was American. Oh. I just didn't call him out on it. You're
2: such a dick. You're right. I, I think yeah. it was uh, <laughs> uh, Little Oral <laughs> Annie stories. I think that's what
3: it was. Little Oral Annie. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Men in Black will return to theaters in 2019, oh, this God. time without Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Sony and Amblin are in talks with Gary, uh, F. Gary Gray, that's the director of The Fates and the Furious on Straight Out of Compton, to take the reins of the franchise. Uh, the new Men in Black will be a spin off of the previous movies rather than a reboot of the franchise, which was inspired by comics created by Lowell Cunningham and Sandy Carruthers. Uh, Smith and Jones are not expected to return to reprise their roles of Agents K and J. The actress last appeared in those roles in 2012's Men in Black 3. The new Men in Black movie already has a script in place by Matt Holloway and Art Markham, whose credits include the first Iron Man movie and Transformers The Last Mm -hmm. Night*. Steven Spielberg remains attached as producer, and as yet untitled new Men in Black is scheduled to arrive June 14th, 2019. Men in Black, that's something I could... definitely see and happily see expanded past those two characters sure
4: that there's a lot of oh, room yeah. to grow in that world so
2: so by all means sony play in that world
4: didn't the, the comic- all that to go with. didn't the comic follow multiple teams if i remember never read it i don't know i
3: read it no idea all right so i worked in a comic book store and i did not know that the movie was based on a comic so yeah i'm yet to see that comic also in my life hmm okay and I've read for
2: years. it's based on a comic, but I can't prove it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I actually did uh, when I was at uh, Universal Orlando. They have a men in black, uh, I think it's called Alien attack. It's a it's a combination ride and a little laser gun shooter thing. This is a lot of fun. You got all the it, you go into this black light black light lit area so everything's brightly colored and you have all these giant animatronics and stuff and you you're shooting anima- at the targets and so forth. That, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I had a good time on that. Just I'm as down. a side note.
2: <laughs> and is that Universal Studios?
4: Universal Orlando. They Orlando. don't have it in Hollywood. Well, fuck. Universal Orlando.
2: 20th Century Fox has hired Brian Michael Bendis to develop a script for Deadpool helmer Tim Miller to direct... The movie is shrouded in secretly secretly. Here Secret. you back around the corner, Very good, sure. You're next, 80s. Uh, it's shrouded in secrecy, but it is confirmed that it is set in the X-Men universe and currently has the working title 143. Hmm. What,
1: what happened in X Men 143. Uh that one <laughs> Is, that's what we're going to go.
3: Uh, by. No, no, no,
2: that's that's one where Kitty Pride is at the mansion alone and she is <laughs> No, seriously, and she is attacked by some demon that she has to fight.
3: Oh, it's the alien homage. Is it? I don't I don't know. Yeah. Beyond that, is it? Yeah, it's okay. uh, it's uh, it was actually I think it was John Byrne's last issue. Oh. And uh, they did an alien homage and uh, the the demons like the N'Gare, and the, they 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 do a quick backstory. Storm had fought one and and zapped it with lightning and and buried it. but it rises up again and it looks a lot like a xenomorph oh. And Kitty's alone at the mansion. and it's sort of like kitty's Kitty's baptism of fire because she basically has to um, <clears throat> defeat it on her own because the X-Men are off and she can't get a hold of them. And she finally does uh, kill it by getting into the underground hangar. And she, it's chasing her, and she phases. It's a demon, so it actually can touch her even when she's phasing. So she has to find a way to beat it. And she just phases into it. the blackbird, and turns on the engines and blows the engines out just as the demon comes for her. So it's just like the ending of Alien. Green light. Yeah. The, yeah, I like this. It was. It was. It was. it, was, I hope it's it nice. was a night. I mean, just like just like Days of Future Path was a Terminator riff This was an Alien riff huh. And it, it was very well done It was, And you know it did the beautiful Burn Austin art And it was just Kitty on her own It was you know And was, we have mentioned that
2: they've been interested In creating a Kitty Pride movie We've mentioned that in the last couple of months
3: And Bendis is one of the guys that uh, I mean he's he's a guy And a lot of people tip The hat to Bendis and how he Writes female characters I so. think we just stumbled upon it. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. just want to take this opportunity to say,
4: we have a really good year in geek films this, this coming up. we got Black Panther coming up this weekend. Right. We, can't,
1: we can't go see it. Why
4: We're not? Get out of here.
1: We can't go see it. That's what everyone's saying. Just
2: go ahead. <laughs> no one is
1: saying <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> No one is saying <laughs> Go ahead. And we got that. The We've got it.
4: We've got Deadpool two coming up. We've got Avengers, Infinity War coming up. We got Ant Man and the Wasp this year. I mean, that's just a that's just a drop in the bucket. Aquaman. Yeah.
3: Q yeah. record scratch.
4: <laughs>
1: I'm actually looking forward to Deadpool two.
3: Yeah. Ah, I can't wait for We're that. in a golden age. The, uh, yes. the the
4: clips that they had in the trailer. Really looked funny, and I'm trying to remember who it was that says on the said on the Shock Monkeys Lair. It said, "Is it wrong that I'm excited that Dopinder is back?"
3: I'm like, "No, he's definitely." Well, that and the promotional still, yeah, where he's doing the Flash Dance splash thing, but it's with a whole bunch of
4: Uh, bullet uh, bullet casings. casings. Yeah, that is a great poster.
2: What's your battle cry, or what movie didn't click with you, or book? Write to us comments at Ugly Couch Show. .com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Some guy. And we'll talk to you next week in <laughs> Geek. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that guy. That There's guy. Some, some guy. That, the monkey uh, just some
3: guy. The guy who's read those 40K books. <laughs> your 40K Matt. Yeah, your 40K Matt. Warhammer Matt. Wow. That is your character. Yeah. Man. Run with it. Hold
2: it. Read the deer.
3: <laughs> read all of Horse Hairs. Dude, it's better than Bad Canadian
0: i <laughs> 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 no!